0: How do we write or talk about hot topics without driving off our audience? Today's guest will help us address sensitive topics in both our writing and speaking. So stick around. Your best writing life begins right now. Welcome to your best writing life an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Writers Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week I bring tips and strategies from writing and publishing industry experts to help you excel in your craft. I'm so very glad that you're listening in. During this episode, you'll learn how to address sensitive topics in your writing and speaking. My industry expert is Barb Winters. Barb is the author of Sexpectations, Helping the Next Generation Navigate Healthy Relationships. She is a speaker, sexual risk avoidance specialist, and founder of Hopeful Mom, supporting parents in an online world. She and her pastor husband reside in Florida, near two of their four adult children. Connect with Barb at hopefulmom.net. Barb Winters,
1: so good to have you here. Welcome to Your Best Writing Life. Thanks, Linda. I am thrilled to be here and talking with you this morning. Well, I tell you,
0: we're going to be sharing some great information with our writer, speaker, listeners, and we're going to go ahead and just dive into the content for today. We're looking at addressing sensitive topics in our writing and speaking. So, When we talk or write about hot or sensitive topics like pornography, divorce, or abortion, how do we approach the subject without alienating
1: our audience? Really, when we talk about a lot of these hot topics, it evokes emotion. And Mm. there's power in emotion. We can use that emotion to draw others to God, or they can spin out of control. So when emotions are high, like anger and anxiety, then logic or reasoning is low. So our objective as writers and speakers really should be to disarm or to calm any screaming emotions before we try to reason with someone. And (laughs) I can't say I've always done this well. But one of the reasons I started to think about the importance of sensitivity starts with a story and experience that I had probably 30 years ago. My church invited me to be part of a pro-life demonstration. When I showed up, they handed me a sign that said, abortion kills. And I felt weird and kind of awkward holding that sign. I Imagine myself being someone who had chosen to have an abortion and then driving past someone holding this sign. And how would that make me feel? Would it make me feel ashamed or guilty or angry or defensive? Mm. So I didn't think it would appear to be something that would calm emotions and draw someone to me so they could hear why I believe abortion is against God's word. Instead, I thought it would trigger a negative emotional response. So it's one thing to be pro-life, it's another thing to stand out there with a sign that says abortion kills, and it's a little bit, you know, of a slight alteration, but it makes a big difference in how people view you and whether they will hear your message. And I really think there's an art to this. It takes some practice, it takes some skill. If we come in hot and heavy, we're going to alienate our audience rather than engage them. So one of the topics that I write and talk about is the harms of pornography, especially in our children. And this topic comes from a very personal story. And Mm. I think telling stories is key. So when we tell a story, we do evoke emotion. And like I said, emotion can be helpful So we want to take our audience or our reader with us. We want to take them through the emotions we experience, the hurt, the fear, the anger, the anxiety, and how we worked through our pain point, eventually landing on love, peace, joy, or hope. And through the story, we build a rapport with our audience. We build trust and credibility. We establish a relationship. So when I tell people my son was addicted to pornography and how that affected me personally and my household, they're more apt to listen to what I say next. My research, my education, my credentials are all important, but all those are secondary to my story. Because by saying, here's where I was and here's what God did, my audience leans in. They, they do feel my emotion and they want to know how I escaped from my painful situation. And then I can help them understand why I'm for healthy choices like biblical sex and sexuality and against unhealthy choices like watching pornography. I can offer advice on how to keep their children from being exposed to pornography. And, and I can offer hope. As a parent who's been there, I can offer hope to parents who are now in the thick of watching pornography. And I can offer hope that because I'm on the other side of it.
0: Mm. I resonate with what you're sharing today, Barb, for Mm. a few different reasons. I founded Parenting Awesome Kids many years back, and for five years was actively available. And, and working with and engaging with families on a weekly basis and diving into the importance of story, the importance of sharing truth, the importance of not compromising faith. And over the process, as I'm walking into this and thinking, all right, yeah, right, we're going to help parents actually it wound up being kind of a backdoor marriage ministry where a lot of parents mm-hmm. started realizing that there was the way that they reacted responded in certain situations was kind of a catalyst or throwing you know fuel on the fire in dealing with situations with their children and during the course of time uh so many things started happening with my own children and my family to the point where I sat down one day and I said, Father, how can I help parents? How can I help them? Look at what's happening in my family. Look at all of these different situations. Once choosing the homosexual lifestyle. There's divorce. There's infidelity. There's all of these things that are occurring. How, I'm a horrible parent. I, I, I how, how can I do this? I don't, there's no way you must've called me to that then. And what he spoke into my spirit, Barb, was be authentic, be transparent, be honest, and you're not going to be perfect. So share your story, share who you are. And Barb, I will tell you, when I stood in front of the class and we had had new people were joining all the time. He literally, he just grew it and grew it and grew it over the years. And I stood there and I said, hi, welcome. I'm Linda Goldfarb. And as my husband, Sam is in the back and Sam would wave and I'd say, let me tell you about my family. And I stood there and I shared about Sam and I having a past of divorce and sharing everything that was going on truthfully in our family. And I always, my children knew that this is something that I shared to help families. I didn't share anything my children were not aware of that was going to be shared. I want to make that point. And in the process, Barb, when I finished, so many people came up and said, I finally found a safe place. Mm. I found a home where I can come. And I can be me. And they, because they, they were ready for the attack. I, I think that that's sure. what I received from you out of your, your answer here was we're not to go on attack to others, yeah. even in our writing or speaking. We we can't, you know, jump out there in our anger, in our flesh, in our, in our retaliation and get, 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 get because no one wants that. Who wants that? And then I appreciate what you said as far as, you know, our story is really primary compared to our credentials and being truthful. And the word says, right, they will know us by our testimony. So Barb, with everything that occurred in Parenting Awesome Kids, what I realized is that God will use story he will use our transparency, our authenticity, and that works the same whether we're speaking directly to someone or we're writing. And so I'm I'm finding what you're sharing with us to be a very, very powerful topic and area that as writers, we need to be aware of.
1: I love your story Linda and it's so true we've got to be vulnerable we've got to be authentic um especially when our if when and if we're dealing with the next generation right they're really needing that in our lives and it it breaks down those walls really does it truly does when it's like with animals you know we
0: we uh have dogs i've train them in different behavioral situations and they can tell when something's wrong. Well, younger generations, they spy when someone is in the middle of a lie or not being truthful. And when that happens, you lose them. And as parents, as writers, as speakers, we can't afford to lose any of the platform. That Father gives us. We've got to make the best of it. So, that said, that said, right? How do we transform our difficult, painful, um, hot topic past into a message that
1: God can use to help others? I think our message is much more effective if we talk from a place of healing, not from a place of hurt. If the wound we've suffered is still raw, if it's still oozing, we're not ready to talk or speak publicly about this issue. I've I've heard speakers, you probably have too, Linda, who are still healing from the wounds and they begin to talk about the subject. They're passionate and they want to warn others about the dangers. And that's great. But I could see and I could sense that they were still hurting and angry and processing. And here's what happens the audience is not tuned into their message. Instead, the audience begins to feel compassion for the speaker. The speaker appears needy and the audience mm. wants to comfort them. So while we want to be authentic and vulnerable, just like you were saying, we don't want to be needy because so we, we want our listeners to focus on the message and not us. And that's what happens. So here's my writing tip for that. Before we begin to write or speak publicly about any sort of hot topic, spend the time necessary to heal, grieve your losses, pray through your hurts. Walk through forgiving the perpetrator and seek forgiveness for any of your own wrongdoings. And we can do that through writing because writing is therapeutic. It can be anyway. So go ahead and write through it. But that's the first draft, the draft no one sees. So, for example, when I started writing about my son's pornography issue and how it affected me, I learned that I had been grieving and I learned that through this process. I actually wrote about each stage of grief and I even remember thinking at first that I had not been through the bargaining stage, but when I prayed about it and read about that stage, God showed me that I had bargained with him. And so, I mean, I did eventually use that information and I put it in a blog post at hopeful mom, but it was later, it was after I had worked through it. And that was not my first draft, like I said, so there, there can be healing through writing, but it's not, that's not the time to shout about it in the public arena. And then once God has brought us through the healing and used the trauma to transform us, once that wound isn't as tender, I mean, it might have scars because we have scars, don't we? Right. But it's not as tender. Yeah. We can use our past to help others. That's when we can come alongside them and guide them to the place that God has already brought us. And I knew I had healed one evening when I was talking with one of my really good friends. She and I were sitting around just drinking coffee and kind of catching up on all the things. And when I asked her about her children, her face dropped. It was evident in her demeanor that something had happened. So she began to mention that one of her something about one of her sons and she was kind of cautious and vague at first telling me about his behavior. And then she and I had never discussed my son's issue. I had not gone public with it at that, at this time, but I felt compelled to tell her about him. And I told her what had happened in our household and how it had made me feel and what we, we had done about it. And that's when she broke and spilled her story. And among other things, her son was dealing with a pornography problem. And now here's why I'm telling you this story During that conversation, I remembered my emotions, but I was not experiencing them at that time. And I felt sorrow for my friend because I knew her pain, but I was no longer living in that pain myself. And that's when I knew that God had done a mighty work in my life and in our household. And I could begin to speak publicly about this topic. And not every hot topic has personal pain attached to it, but some do. Obviously, there's sure. been a lot of a lot of hot topics recently with COVID and vaccines and all that brought a lot of emotions to the forefront. And and you've mentioned divorce, you've mentioned um, we've talked about abortion and we've talked about the LGBTQ community, et cetera. All those things come to the um to come to mind when we we begin talking about what's sensitive or or to hot topics and how we need to really make sure that we're um being mindful of what's going on so i also think that we don't want to have a prideful attitude. And that's really what it boils down to. And I I kind of think of this positionally. So rather than me standing over someone who who is now wallowing in their hurts and pulling them up from my upright position, I really Hmm. want to crouch down to where they are and gently lift them up. And we do that by relating to them, by having empathy. So thinking about it from their position. If I'm in their shoes and what would I be thinking or feeling. Again, being authentic, but not accusatory or preachy. I think a great way to know whether we're being preachy in our writing or speaking is by being involved in a good critique group. They can really help you know if that that's happening. My critique group keeps me in check.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we need that because we need someone outside of our head. Someone outside of our emotions who they're not afraid to say Right now, I'm I'm just hearing all your feels and you're like just flooding that instead of, you know, or being, as you say, too prideful. You're just really a greater than thou comment just came out of out of this writing. And we have to trust the critique groups that we're with as well. I think that's very important, too. So this is true. This is good. Yes. Well, so far, Barb, what I have is we need to write and talk from a place of healing. We need to be transparent, but not to the point where we appear needy. We need to re- realize that in speaking and writing, that our first draft is raw. And that's okay. We need to write it, we need to get it out there, but we don't publish the raw draft. What we're doing is we're working through and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us so that we. Have everything relatable, but we're not speaking out in the emotions. And then once we're healed, recognizing that scars are okay, but to also know that we're not tender to the topic. And I really like that word when we are tender to something; it still makes us pull back and and cringe and get that little emotional tie there. And and so we don't want to be tender to the topic. Then you said, you know, you're healed when you can remember your emotions, but you're free from experiencing them. And I kind of wrote, that means that you're not really wearing them dripping from your sleeve. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's okay. She gets me. I can tell in this individual's writing, this individual speaking. They know where I'm at as the reader, as the audience, yet I want to still listen because it sounds like they have something of value. So I'm I like that portion. And then not to have a prideful attitude. I, I love the visual you gave us to crouch down. When I write to parents, there's a one of the topics that I talk about in the area of listening is the uh, stop, drop and roll method. And that's when you stop what you're doing, you drop to eye level and Mm. then you roll with what it is that they want to talk to you about. And that eye level that getting where they are, allowing them to see that you are not in a position that's higher than, but utilizing empathy is so important. Yeah. So important. And then using a great critique group in order to kind of ferret all of that out,
1: this has been good. What what else in this area? That's fantastic. Well, wow. what a great summary. And a lot of this really does cross over, doesn't it, with parenting? Um, yeah. These are these are techniques that I that I try and tell parents even. And um again, from having learned by mistakes and These are not things that I've always done well in the past. And I think, you know, just lastly, before we, you know, move on to the next question, it is that this is a learning technique, but the good news in that is that we can learn it, right? We can practice it to the point where we get better and better. It's not something that we just throw our hands up in the air and say, well, I just can't do this. It's not who I am. Yes, you can.
0: (laughs) It's a skill. We if if we are intentional with our conversations, with our words, with our posturing, with recognizing that wow, I'm still bleeding all over the place. This, yeah, who everyone's going to just be trying to take care of me, and I'm supposed to be trying to help take care of them. And yes. if we can recognize that and be open to. For me, it's even, you know, I ask father, I go, right, am I using the words that are going to get to your kids? What do I need to do? How do I need to temper this? Where is it that I need to sit back and take a look and listen? Or, you know, I'm through all of this, but is this part still too raw for me? And I may have to modify what I write or what I speak on. Um, but these are all great. They're great techniques. They're great understanding for us as writers that again, you know, we don't want to attack anyone with our words. We know that our personal story has great value and that we can transform from our own Area of pain and hurt, we can transform those emotions into viable mm. instruction and encouragement and equipping. Yes. And that's that's powerful.
1: Yes. And that's where Satan wouldn't want us to do Girl. that, right? But God's gonna use it. God's got better things in mind for what we've been through. Mm. Mm. That's right.
0: He truly does. Well, then now we have situations where we've got truth that we're dealing with. We have issues that we have walked through, that we have healed from, but they're not fun topics. They're topics that maybe have a, (laughs) for a better, better way of putting this, a right or left bent at understanding and receiving them, right? I'm not talking... Politically here, but we can be in the same room, hear a certain person talk and walk away with differing opinions. so, how do we then how do we speak right in love without watering down or compromising the truth? Truth is truth, this is what's happened
1: how How do we walk that out? yeah, and that really is where it gets tricky, right? So- We want to remember, first of all, that, that our desire is to draw the reader in and not repel them. And one way I do that by, is by assuming that each person who's reading or listening has dealt with the issue or has a family member who has struggled with whatever problem I'm addressing. And of course, because I, I talk about pornography a lot, one example is that porn is so pervasive that everyone has been touched by it, whether they know it or not. If it's not in their immediate family or household, then their neighbor or their extended family. So again, putting yourself in their place and whatever the subject matter, we don't want to use a condemning tone, but an empathetic one. So I think of Daniel in the Bible. I, he, I believe he did a great job of this when the king's official told them what they were supposed to eat and he mm. didn't want to corrupt his body with food that God had said not to eat. So when he approached the king's official to ask for exception, he did so with respect and politeness. He was confident, but not arrogant. And God also tells us in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And Daniel modeled that well. So another tip I have is to stop and pray, which is what you were saying. Let's go to the Father. Stop and pray about the purpose for writing or speaking on your particular subject. What is that end goal? And the reason I'm stating what we sometimes think is obvious, to pray about it, is because I often encounter people who react quickly, especially on social media. Um, Maybe they're hurt or
0: they're... (laughs) Girl, I'm just saying. Mm.
1: Right and 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 if we're writers or speakers listen that's a platform for us. We are representing our brand and and more importantly we're representing God. And so mm-hmm. we need to remember that even when we're on social me- media. So maybe we're hurt or angry or maybe we're trying to be helpful but even in those posts we want to speak truth in love and that in particular is not a place to try and win an argument let's park there for just a second. When
0: you're utilizing social media, asking that question, not only what is the purpose of my talk or my writing, what is the purpose of my presence in social Mm. media? And Mm -hmm. I have to, that has to be in the forefront of my mind. Why am I here? Why am I here? What is father using me for here? And if it's for something other than what would give him glory. Why am am I doing it? Why? And that, for me, puts a stop to a lot of things. And I go, girl, you're just about yourself. What are you doing? You don't have to go there. You can choose to go there if you want to, but that's not the direction that God wants you to go. So I utilize that in the area of social media myself. And so you brought it up. So I figured I'd jump on that little bandwagon. Oh, yeah.
1: And that reminds right. me of the the verse where he says, is this edifying? Is this building mm-hmm. up? And mm-hmm. uh, I often ask myself that when I go to type something on social media, is this going to be edifying? Is it going to be building up? And... um Sometimes I ask my husband that too, (laughs) but we won't go there. (laughs) Well,
0: that's the reason that we have them. It's like, babe, would you take a look at this? (laughs) Do you really want me to? Yeah, I'm afraid I do. (laughs) So, you know, I'm trusting, I'm trusting father that he has you purposed for me as well, especially in the area that he is using us. So, so go ahead, Barb, keep going. Sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Let's ask ourselves, you know, what is the end goal? No matter what what avenue we're using here. And I personally think that who we are pointing our audience to, like you said, are we glorifying God is more important than winning someone over to our side. So again, a personal example, taking down the pornography industry, isn't my end goal although I certainly wouldn't cry if the whole industry imploded. Um, But my end goal is for those who hear my message through writing or speaking to find healing and wholeness in Christ. So that's where I need to be cautious because I need to watch my tone and my attitude. I want to honor the person that God created without condoning the sin and of course, honor God and his word also. So one of the tricks I found that's helpful is to find something, some point that you can agree on. And that's a really good starting place. For example, if I'm talking with teens about pornography, I might say, I understand that you're curious about sexual activity. I was curious at your age too. Or if I'm talking with parents and trying to help them have conversations with their children, I might say... I understand you may have fears surrounding this conversation. I did, too. It wasn't easy for me to start talking about these subjects. And when I make these types of statements, I'm trying to bridge the gap between us and bring down that wall that we referred to earlier that would prevent my audience from hearing what I have to say. And then it helps us go from a position of battling each other because we're on different sides to a place where we're walking together together. With the same goals. So I'm I'm in the classroom a lot uh, talking about avoiding risky behaviors and making healthy choices. So a lot of times I ask the teens up front, the first thing I say when I get into the classroom is who wants to live their best life here?
0: Do you Mm -hmm. want to live
1: your best life? And, you know, of course, in public schools, I can't talk about God or the Bible, but we still try and give those principles. And when they say yes to that question of, yeah, I want to live my best life, then I tell them, yeah, that's my goal for you, too. And I think that helps them to see me as an ally, that I'm trying to come alongside them and help them and walk with them. So that's, you know, I try and flip the perspective a little, a little bit, especially there. And even in our, in my writing, I'm not a, just against something. I'm actually for something. So I'm not against watching porn. I'm more for healthy relationships. I think that's very helpful in building that bridge between us.
0: I agree because if it looks like I'm building a bridge instead of trying to break one down, others are more apt to follow me out on the bridge. If all I'm about is coming against, pushing a head down, slamming something, raising the, raising the, the signs that demean that, that though they may be true, if I'm pushing and pushing and beating and beating, who in the world's going to want to come where I am? Nobody. And I I do not see where Father used that in Scripture to draw people to Him. It was always the open arms, the open arms of Christ, the the relationship building, not the destruction. When someone is doing something that is detrimental harmful, that gives them sadness. They already know that something isn't the way they want it to be. If we come across and say, as you were saying, Barb, you know, are you wanting your best life? Yes. Oh, good. Because that's what I want for you too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Then, then it looks like, or not only looks like It truly is an open door invitation to saying, that's why I'm here. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to let you know there is a better and best life. And here's some of the options. If we can speak and write that way, people are going to stick around. They're going to want to hear more. And when they stick around and we share our stories and we share our hope and we share valid strategies, and and we share statistics, or we share results, and we share all the truth that backs up everything that we're trying to get across, then it's real difficult for someone else to say that's not true. Mm-hmm. Mm. What else would you like us to walk away with today? Any final thoughts that you have?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad that you brought up the word hope because that's exactly what I I wanted to end with and and that's what I end with when I'm writing. I always try to offer hope and so whether we're writing a blog post or having a one-on-one conversation or talking in front of a huge crowd, we want to leave them with that hope and, and possibly even a challenge because the challenge gives them something tangible to work on, something that will maybe help them understand our perspective. I recently spoke at a youth group and during the discussion, I talked about peer pressure. And at the end of the talk, I compared Jonadab who was Amnon's friend in the Bible, with Barnabas. And Jonadab helped Amnon, who was David's son, actually rape his own sister, Tamar. Mm. And that's the story we found in 2 Samuel 13. But Barnabas was an encourager. He encouraged his fellow believers and friends to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. And we find that in Acts 11. So my challenge for this youth group was to be a Barnabas and not a Jonadab. And so here's my hope for your audience today, Linda. Your story is not wasted. God redeems. And the passions he puts in our hearts, the heartaches he allows in our world, the words he places in our minds are to be used to draw others to him. We have a gift and a calling and a purpose. So go ahead Mm. and pick up that pen and write. Amen. Pick up the pen and write. Don't drop the mic. Use it.
0: Yes and great words, great words, Barbara thank you so much this is This has been very enlightening and encouraging, and maybe some things that we're familiar with, some strategies we're familiar with, but I think that it's appropriate to repeat, to bring back up to our memory to Come back in with, hey, and don't forget step one, two, and three. Mm -hmm. We may have heard things from other people over the years, but as writers and speakers, remaining current and always keeping in the forefront who we're writing for and who we're striving our readers and audiences, listening audiences, to be drawn to. And always Jesus Christ, always, always Amen. powerful. Amen. Well, as we wrap up, you have a book called Sex, excuse me, <laughs> probably a lot of people get that tongue twisted quite yes, often, ma'am. but sex expectations, helping the next generation navigate healthy relationships. With this book itself, is this something, because it does cover a topic that a lot of a lot of christians are going wait 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 what you can't talk about la 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 <laughs> so um not going into the detail of the book but is this a difficult book to get people to pick up on a bookshelf
1: Yes. Yes. It's a hard topic. It's a hard sell is what I've heard from my, my publisher. Um, yeah. Because it, you know, we don't want to be seen holding a book that has the word sex on it. For some mm. reason, we Christians shy away from this topic. And that is my goal is to just break down that, that goal, that stigma surrounding all that. So maybe we should call it spectations,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like someone with their finger or their shh. Okay, sh- yeah, <laughs> but we really need to know, right? Because we, it is it is an area with all the others, with all the others that are difficult to discuss. Yeah, we have generations coming up where they're looking for answers everywhere. And if they're not given a resource with healthy and biblical truth, then they're going to stay in a pit and their relationships are not going to thrive because they're going to miss that one element in the element of Christ. And God wants us to have healthy sexual relationships. He does. That's how he designed us. So... Kudos on you for writing the book. I pray that it does get picked up more and more often and that people, that they're not shamed to pick it up, that they realize they need an answer that they're not getting right now, especially for those of us who are feeding into the next generation. I tell you, healthy relationships are key. They are key. Yes. And y'all, you'll be able to find, um, the book on Barb's website on Amazon and through the publisher, Leafwood Publishing. We'll have all of the links here in our show notes as well, where you can find her at hopefulmom.net, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. We've got it all here for you. All of it here for you. Barb Winters, thank you so much for taking the time to be here on Your Best Writing Life. Thank you, Linda. I feel so blessed and honored to be here. Well, it's a joy to have you and appreciate the time that you took away from writing, which is what we all do, to be here with us for a few moments. Greatly appreciate you, Barb. Thank you so much. And thank you, friends, for joining us. Please take a moment, if you would, to share this podcast with another writer or two. Give us a star rating post an episode review and hit the subscribe button. You do not want to miss any of our episodes, take them and jot down what you've listened to and go back and binge. There are always binge worthy episodes here on your best writing life. I greatly appreciate everything that you have to say about this podcast. And I greatly, greatly appreciate what you choose to write for the kingdom. I really do. I greatly appreciate that. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on your best riding life.